severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job. I am of course your host Jim McKinley and this is episode 105 of the podcast. It's lovely to be back. Thank you very much to Elliot Mitchell, our brilliant, 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 brilliant editor for doing the intros and outros the last few weeks while I was on holiday. It's lovely to be back at Dreekit, rainy Scotland, although seemingly most of Europe and in fact a lot of the world is currently sweltering in a massive heatwave which to any climate deniers listening I think climate change is very much real and very much an ongoing problem but yeah it's lovely to be back doing the podcast again I've been really chuffed with the response we'd had to sort of the last six episodes we'd put out since we relaunched in June so thank you everyone that's tuned in and listened and it's been supporting we've got another brilliant episode in store for you today as we are joined by returning guest Jonathan Melville now Jonathan's a friend of mine from uni we both study screenwriting together but Jonathan has a new book out. Of course, when he was last on the podcast, he just released a book about the Highlander films. Last year, he released a brilliant book called Local Hero, The Making of a Scottish Classic, which is, of course, about the amazing Scottish film, Local Hero. One of my favourite Scottish films, actually, by Bill Forsyth. Yeah, Jonathan has put so much work into this amazing book all about the film I mean, he was very kind to bring me a signed copy when we came, when he came around to record this a few weeks ago as well I started reading it last week and it's a great read so I recommend that to anyone even if you've not seen the film go and watch it but you know it's a really interesting book Jonathan of course was on the podcast a long time ago when we recorded in December 2020 so he was episode number seven so this is episode 105 so been on quite a journey since then but it was lovely to catch up with Jonathan again we had some really nice chats about the sort of Scottish TV and film industry, about his career, his what he's learned over the years, his, some of his regrets, some of his experiences. Really, really honest and insightful conversation about working in this crazy creative industry. And it was just lovely to catch up in general. So thank you again to Jonathan for his time. I'm sure you're going to find what he has to say very interesting. And yeah, I hope you enjoy episode 105 of Just Get A Real Job. Hi Jonathan, nice to see you. Thank you for coming round to my flat to record this uh, podcast today. Nice to be here, Jamie. Thanks for inviting me to your palatial surroundings. It's it's great. It's good to be here. It's, it's nice to be here in person, isn't it, rather than just on Zoom. Obviously, you're on the podcast. You were the, on the seventh episode in December 2020. So. Wow. Nearly wow. two and a half years ago since we last That's spoke crazy. on the podcast. I th- it's always quite strange because we'd obviously we just had lunch together and we'd be catching up. So it's always a bit weird when you go from like natural conversation to suddenly <laughs> having a mic in front of you. Yes. So Hello, Jamie. I feel How are start, you today? At the start yeah. of it, we both had our phone voices on <laughs> and it slowly evaporate. But obviously, you know, we've been very busy since we last spoke and I've got a lovely copy of your new Local Hero Making a Scottish Classic book, which you kindly gifted me. I also have a copy of your Highlander book, which obviously... When you were last on the podcast, it just recently come out, so yeah. it's been a busy couple of years then. It has, because I think, I can't quite remember the, the, the full sort of series of events, but I think after doing the Highlander, which took me quite a while, I wasn't really, I can't remember, well, you'll, you can tell me what I said in the last podcast, but I don't know if I was planning to do something so quickly. And then I think it was my agent who got in touch and said, do you fancy trying something else? And yeah, so it kind of went from there. So I... I I was planning to take more of a break from yeah. from doing this and then ended up getting right back into it. Uh, and of course, it was still sort of pandemic-y times, I think, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, 2020, 2021-ish. And it was nice to have something to work on. And it was nice to have a bit of money as well. So, yeah, so it has been busy. When did the, the local hero... I mean, we'll get into this book probably as we go on, but when did this, or when did this one come out? Was it this end of last year? So out, I think year? it was October 2022. Yeah, so I, I, my times are all over the shop. I think yeah. a lot of us are the same. But I know the last three years have been. When I saw that it was twenty twenty, we last spoke about. Yeah. Surely not. Yeah, but yeah, that's mad. But yeah, no, definitely, it was definitely October twenty twenty two, because to now twenty twenty three is the fortieth anniversary of Local Hero. So that was part of the the plan. Really, was to be a bit cynical, I suppose, and think right, get it out for the fortieth, <laughs> and so and then working backwards. 
So that was 2022. So I think it was 2021 that I started it. So maybe it was mm. early 2021. Yeah. But actually, and you maybe will ask me this, and I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I did start kind of planning it back in 2008 or 2009. Because I remember going to a screening in Glasgow at the GFT off local here. I think it was the 25th mm. anniversary at that point and recording a Q&A that took place after it, which I do, I go along to these yeah. events and I'll record the Q&As. And I sort of thought, I'd never, I hadn't written a book at that point, but I just sort of thought, oh, we'll keep this for posterity and see what happens. So yeah, the, the sort of, the early days of it started way back in 2000, and, I think it was 2008. Wow, been, obviously, I mean, we talked a lot about Belfast in the last podcast as well. So, I mean, plenty to ask, but do you want to just sort of recap a bit about who you are and what you do, etc., for the listeners? <laughs> I mean, I know that's a harder one to ask. Yeah. You've done a lot of things. You've straddled a lot of horses, etc. Yeah, over well, the I, years. So yeah, so I've written three books now. So, but that was never. I'm not. I don't consider myself. A, a, I mean, I suppose I am an author. You definitely are an author. I've got two of, shoot, two of your books right here. That's to true. Prove but that's it. not the day job because that's sort of the. It's almost like the evening job or the the weekend yeah. job. And the day job. Well, that changes. I mean, I, for a long time, I've been. I was doing freelance. I was working actually at the Scottish Documentary Institute. I think mm. I was doing that. You were doing that last year. Yeah. And that was only ever a two-year contract. And then that came to an end. And so at the moment, I work for, well, it's partly for Edinburgh Napier University. So it's in, I'm jumping around here, but we, of course, did the MA screenwriting. Yeah, which masters. again, I just, so I just graduated from it when we last spoke, like uh-huh. all those years ago. And you were still on the second that's, year of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I should have listened to the podcast as well, shouldn't I? I don't yeah. know why I didn't remind myself what, what, what we said. But yeah, so I had the second year to do. And of course, I didn't know where, where anything was going to go after that. And so as part of that, we got some, I suppose, help and support on that course from a woman called Kay Sheridan, who gave us both support and, of course, lots of other students as well. And when the, anyway, so when the job at the Scottish Documentary Institute finished, a job came up at Napier. And it was with it was kind of helping the students that had been doing the course that we'd been doing, so MA screenwriting, yeah, and MA film. So that's kind of a long way to say that's sort of what I'm doing is, is helping out in a smaller way than Kay. She she does all the hard work really. I help her, and that's kind of the day job. And also I think called Screen Nets, so that's part of it as well, which has been going for about forty years or so, and that is trying to help new entrants into the screen industry. So maybe people that are trying to become mm. trainee sound, train, do sound or locations or camera or directing, things like that. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of in the screen industry uh, or adjacent to it and also doing the writing on the side. So, yeah, so it's a, we said this actually in the cafe earlier. So, you know, people say to me, like you've just done, what do you do? And I just, and it's just such a long answer because, well, I do a bit of this, I do a bit of that and I, and I write a book yeah. and then I'll do newsletters for some companies or sometimes people get in touch and say, you know, I did the Highlander book and they'll say, could you do a, a commentary for a Blu-ray on, on cool. Highland? I don't yeah. know if I've done that. I, I think, think you I'd... did that recently, didn't you? That was yeah. like a couple of years, like, I think definitely after we last spoke. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So your name just sort of gets out there, I suppose. And then people think, let's approach him and see what he wants to do. So I just enjoy trying new things like, like that. I've never, yeah. never done a commentary until I did my first commentary, I suppose. And, and it's the did same you, was it just you and your own or were you with someone else? Just me. It? And did they, they yeah. get you to record that at home? They give you like a night well, night. Do they get you to come into a studio? For well, for the Tremors one, because yeah, so that came out in twenty twenty. So when we spoke, it probably had just maybe recorded it or was just about to, but probably maybe I couldn't say anything about it. So that was done in a studio in Edinburgh, and then the Highlander one was done at home. But somebody was asked to come round with some really professional equipment. Probably much more professional than what we have. Before. Well, not hugely different. And I just had to sit in front of the TV, and I'd scripted it. Mm. And the bonus, of course, of, of having written books is that you've you've got all the words that, you know, 85,000 or 90,000 words exist. So it's kind of not just completely hacking apart what you've written and reforming it in a, in a script yeah. for, a, for a commentary, but it's, you've got the basis there. You don't have to do all the research. Yeah. So yeah, so I suppose the bonus of having written a book is that you then have something to refer back to when you're writing your, your script for your commentary. And you don't have to use a script but I find it much easier. I think sitting for 90 minutes or two hours watching a film and having to say something interesting about it for that length of time is very difficult when it's on your own, when you're on your own. Yeah. It's great. I think if there were, it must be nice to have two of you because then you can yeah. just... Bounce off, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so basically I, I could keep saying it's just sort of fun. People approaching me and saying, do you want to try this? Do you want to do that? 
but there's no no plan, no career plan. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, which is quite funny, another thing we spoke about last time you're on, we talked about how the advice we'd been given at the time, and I, I think I was maybe still interested in being a writer then, like two and a half years ago, which I'm definitely not at the moment anyway. We were talking about how like you're sort of told it'll take five years to get into the industry. Mm. Two and a half years on, how have you? How do you find that sort of prediction? Do you think you feel closer to sort of having a more regular work in this? And like I know the industry's a vague term. Yeah, you think that holds mm. up? Well, yeah, I think it all takes a while. I think if you're if you're trying to get into this new, it's going to take a while probably. And I think people do tend to think you can rush it, or there's some easy ways to do it, and there just isn't. But there are so many different paths. I mean, something I've ended up saying, which. You know, you, when you start speaking to people or trying to give advice or you end up having your own little cliches that you say and mine that I've said to a few people, which is, I think it's accurate, but it's it's that idea of trying to get into the, the, the film and TV, certainly into development or script editing or script write, screenwriting. But I think it's accurate probably for most roles is it's almost like there's a, a sort of castle with the, the moat going around it and the drawbridge has been pulled up. Yeah, 100%. And you're trying to get in. And you have to sort of go around the back and try and climb in, find a little window in the back and sneak in. I don't know, it's just that there's not a big door that's open for you. And I suppose back then, back in the olden days of 2020, I was doing more screenwriting and trying and thinking, yeah, maybe I could, maybe this is what I'll do and maybe I can get into it. But I, and I'm still not, I still think that it could happen, but I'm just not able to spend as much time on it just now as I did then. And certainly the, the development work, which you know, now know so much more than me on that side of it. It's, once again, it's really difficult to get into. Yeah. And it is quite off-putting, but I mean, this is, we could we could get into a whole discussion about that side of things, I suppose, and you've got much better advice than me now, but it's just a, diff- it's a really tricky one. And yeah, um, I wouldn't say better, I'd just say it's different. We have different experience, but I think yeah. what's so nice about having people like yourself on this podcast is, and what this podcast proves from, you know, over a hundred episodes now is no path is the same. And mm. it was, we'd had so many different roles on this and people that do so many different things. But what's mo- very common is a lot of people in our position do more than one thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact you're clearly, you know, a, a, I'd say successful author with these books, like you're doing this thing at Napier, which is very important as well to have some of your experience as well. And like you also have done a bit of script reading reporting, you've got a background in journalism and stuff like it's so common that people have all these experiences and it, again, there's, there's not a rule in this industry for, you know, you, you're not just one thing. It's very multifaceted. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I think it's good for people to hear that that is an option as well. Yeah, and I think it's probably good to have a, everyone's going to have a sort of a goal or an ambition or, a, you know, somewhere where they think I'm going to, I want to do that thing in two, three or four years. And I think what probably happens a lot of the time, and again, it's probably the same in every industry, or maybe it's not every industry. I think it's maybe different if you're an accountant or, but maybe not. But but I think it's that thing of, you start down that path and then you do other things and then you get offers or, or things come along that then slightly divert you. But you end up, you just end up doing more interesting things. I think you, you just, it's uh, yeah, so it's, it's a complicated one to sort of, into words really but but I think as long as you keep trying and you you know that you want to be in that industry I think there are ways to succeed it's just that the easy way is not going to be the way probably that you that it works no for sure and I think there's also often you go you end up going on like a tangent like yeah happens on this podcast as well all the time but you know you you end up going on a tangent because like you could start off, you might want to become a costume designer and then you end up working as in production or something or like you end up writing a book or even being an artist and you may be like, oh, I kind of want to do this thing instead and like you go down a totally different path. But I guess that's like that in all walks of life. Like I think so. People, you know, you end up do it totally falling into something else and I think that's the joy of it. I think it's an important skill to have in this industry especially is because it's, it's most jobs aren't guaranteed permanently. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of like short-term contracts, one-year contracts. So I think it's a good skill to be able to reinvent yourself every few years and yes. change slightly and be open to change. Something I'm terrible at. I quite. I'd, I think my dream would be I'd quite like to know you've got a lifetime guaranteed job. Like you don't have. You're not forced to change. But I think it's important to go outside your comfort zone and be open to change. Sometimes for sure. Yeah, I think that what you said probably is a, a much better way than I was. <laughs> what I was trying to say, but you said it better. And I think that, yeah, you just, if you give up, of course, you're not going to get anywhere. But I think take opportunities. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was struggling to. Again, we sort of talked about this a a bit earlier. But sometimes if someone comes to me with an an offer to do something, like I say, a commentary or maybe a job or or a contract, I tend to, even if it's not part of that amazing original goal that I said you might have, 
I yeah. tend to say yes to them now because I think it's so difficult to, you know, we've we've both applied, we've all applied for jobs, we've applied for places on on courses or or industry schemes, and we are just one or or two because we've both applied for the same things in the past out of hundreds and probably thousands of people. Yeah. So the fact that sometimes someone will come to me and say, "Do you want to do this thing?" I find it very difficult to say no because I think, well, I'm not competing against anyone. Someone's offered it to me directly. Take that opportunity. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing as well of, of just saying yes to stuff. No, 100%. But I'm trying just as so, again, because you're coming, a returning guest, obviously, a lot of the time on this podcast I have a sort of rough formula. And I can't remember if I asked this last time, but I'm just going to ask you again anyway because you might have a different answer. But do you have like a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? I think you asked me that, and I think yeah. I didn't. I seem to remember not I having that. Yeah, that. that's that's right. Have you had <laughs> I one still in the last day? Thought of it. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I do find myself saying it's not anything from where I'm from, but it's just I do catch myself saying like again. I probably said it here again because maybe I'm repeating myself a lot. So it's just a personal little foible or thing that I have. So no, I don't really. I can't really think of anything that I sort of say that's from a particular area. But that's what I was saying to you earlier. I think I, that's another thing I see, as I said earlier. So I've got my own little annoying <laughs> things, but I don't know if you're the same. But it's that I knew there was a question that I couldn't quite answer last time. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one because it's I can't think of it. That's anything. why I asked it. You see, I, yeah, saying, I, yeah. I planned it. Right. Third time. Listen, the next time I'm on. Yeah. The next two, book, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Trying to think of another classic Scottish film. <laughs> Your book about Braveheart or something. Yeah. Or, um, that one. Yeah. So we'll talk then. But do you know what? What's so interesting this morning? Listen back to the episode. It's obviously that was like the seventh one we done. It's like well, a hundred and something, whatever, whenever it comes yeah. out. Listen to myself on it. It's, it's like, I don't think I even had a mic. Like, it was <laughs> so different. And like it's insane that in that short time, how much has happened and what yeah. we've, I mean, you've had another book out, etc. It is, it is quite mad to just sort of see it like that. Yeah. But something else I wanted to ask you about, because I know I've obviously moved to Glasgow, again, another thing that's happened since we last spoke. But like, I wanted to ask you about the film house, because I know you're mm. a bit quite passionate about this. You mm. tweeted about it and stuff. Obviously, last year, a lot of the listeners here in Scotland will know about this, but the film house sadly like shut down and, and just closed overnight. And yeah. I know you loved it there. It was like a yeah some a, a thing that was a big part of your life and a lot of people in Edinburgh's life. But like, do you? I just wonder if you could sort of fill us in with your views on what happened and as, as an outside perspective. It's on a it. tricky one, isn't it? Because no one really knows exactly what went on. We've we've heard bits and pieces, and some things have come out from. Mm. So I mean, yes, uh, that was a place that I would go to regularly. And if it was a case of, I think we met there actually, didn't we, for a coffee yeah. and, and some some nachos. They were famous for their nachos, and I, that was a place. If if someone yeah was to say to me, join me up for a coffee, that was always my first choice. So was it September or October in twenty twenty two? I can't remember which now. And just one morning, woke up and on Twitter it was saying that Film House is shut down. So it just happened overnight. Yeah, so I'm, of course I don't have all the, the facts and I don't want to, to give the wrong... Maybe I'm giving the wrong information. For what I understand, and this is thing, these are things that have been put on Twitter and Facebook, which of course is not necessarily going to be true, but it does seem that the Film House was... They were in debt a little bit. I say it was apparently a couple hundred thousand pounds, which is still quite a lot. But from what I've, I've heard, allegedly... There were other options, and which could have been maybe doing some crowdfunding or maybe trying to appeal for more public funding or going to administration. Those seems to be the options. And for whatever reason, and this is where it all becomes a bit murky, they went for the for that third option of an administration. And it's such a loved venue mm. that I sort of feel if they had gone for the crowdfunding option, they would have got the money. I don't think it would happen overnight, but there's so many people that would have donated money. But they didn't so so that's the mystery really and I think that's what a lot of us are completely baffled by is why would you just go for the worst option the the nuclear option and shut it down and now I think overnight again just what I've read apparently because they went into administration if you do that then the administrators charge quite a lot of money so the that debt that was maybe two or three hundred thousand pounds went up by about a million apparently straight away so yeah and now it's been sold to a, a, I think it's a sort of pub chain or a hospitality company and nobody knows what's happening and it's been months this is now what's this this is June and the last I think was maybe end of April or start of May we we heard a little bit that, it, that this company had bought it and we're still in the dark about what's happening to it so 
it's just really sad. It's such an important venue, not just for being able to go for a coffee, of course, but for for people to watch fantastic films. And and we are lucky in Edinburgh, as in Glasgow, with so many cinemas and, and great films that can be shown. But I think Filmhouse was offering something very different, mm-hmm. and it wasn't owned by a big chain, so they could do different things, and they could have so many festivals. And and I didn't go to a lot of them, just because there were so many of them, and maybe it wasn't quite my thing. But there were so many people that it was for them, and that's the brilliant thing. It wasn't just, okay, it's either Marvel films or blockbusters or, or whatever. It was, you know, here's the... I don't know how many film festivals they had. Every month they seemed to have at least two or three different ones. And so, yeah, there's so many people that are just missing out on discovering both new films and old films and, and of course, all these festivals that were to do with, you know, human rights or disabilities or mental health. So many just important things that maybe not quite happening or they're maybe happening elsewhere, but because Filmhouse had such great publicity, they could promote it. Anyway, yeah, we could be here all day just talking about Filmhouse, but I just really hope, I just don't know where that's going to go. The the reason I wanted to bring it up again is that I think, one, those sort of places are so important culturally and sadly in the cost of living crisis like we're in now, sad, you know, the arts tends to be one of the first things that's cut on Mm. education budgets, it's cut in funding budgets, like... And I think the film is a good example of someone, I know it's not entirely linked to the cost of living crisis, but as an example of a, a place like Edinburgh losing like a great cultural institution that's you know important for it. And I know it happened yeah. to the one in Aberdeen shut down, I believe, as well. Well, that's absolutely, yeah, we should have said that. They were both part of the CMI Centre for, yeah, I've forgotten now what it stands for. But, but no, I mean, I think Filmhouse and the Belmont did receive money from Screen Scotland. So I think mm. I couldn't tell you if it was enough or, or not enough but certainly there was money coming into them so that's another slightly baffling thing and of course it was always going to be a, a very niche kind of cinema because those films that I mentioned in festivals were not going to be for the masses but that's why it is important because I think that's part of the reason that we have public funding for the yeah. arts isn't it that, that things that are not so popular or that are just less lesser known can be shown yeah. otherwise we are just going to be stuck with much as I love watching a new and a good blockbuster but that shouldn't be I guess it's, an a, it's another reminder as well that if you have the opportunity to support local venues like that then mm. you should try to as much as you can and that totally. goes for like music venues which are a lot of closed down yeah. and again like something that we talked about in this podcast is like I mean because I know you used to work for the what was it the, the bus called again that like the cinema oh, the bus screen machine. the screen machine but like yeah. it's all these rural communities that don't have access to things like this as well which is a shame that we can't have more places like the film house was Mm-hmm. on a more local level which I guess the screen machine was the closest thing too but yeah yeah, yeah that's true but yeah we could talk about this For I mean the screen machine is a fantastic thing I mean it does tend to show a lot of of those new films not just I, I keep saying blockbusters not just the Marvel films but it does show some of the smaller films as well which is brilliant but yeah if you are in Barra or Loch Gilped or just somewhere that's sort of, somewhere a little bit more out of the or not close to a city then uh, mm-hmm. the idea there is yes you, you can then still experience things on the big screen and, and that's a really important facility so yeah it's very it's sad times Edinburgh is, I mean we still we're, we're lucky we do have the cameo and we do have an Odeon and we do have we've got lots of cinemas but the cameo itself even is not that's yeah. not an independent cinema. I think a lot of people think it is. It used to be, but that's owned by Picture House, which is Cineworld. Yeah, and even uh, they're struggling at the moment. Yeah. Like, you hear, you know, I think they were filed for bankruptcy a few months ago, potentially, Cineworld, as well. Cineworld, yeah, there was things going on there, yeah. And it, again, the whole cinema landscape's changed now with streaming. Like, you know, a lot of films go straight to streaming or they're in cinema for two days and then they go into streaming. So yeah. it's just... I and I find like, myself, I mean, I remember years ago, we're probably talking even just five years ago, I remember, I seemed... I vaguely remember almost like saying to myself, I won't watch things first on streaming. I must, I will go to the cinema to watch it. And of course, I think the pandemic has partly, hopefully... Sped it. I think it's sped it up. Well, I think so, yeah, because we did just get things first on TV then and through streaming. So I maybe getting back into that, that habit of going back to the cinema has, has been... Because we do, you just think, well, yeah, if it's going to be on the... T- Sometimes I have looked and you'll see something like the new Michael J. Fox film, Still, mm. which is an Apple film, which I saw advertised and I thought this looks fantastic and I saw it was on at the Cameo. And then I saw it was on Apple TV and I could get a free trial for Apple TV and I just moved flat. And I remember thinking, actually, it's easier just to sit and watch it on, on my telly. Yeah. But should I feel guilty for that? I don't know. But that's know. also a natural human know. reaction. That's why things like get invented and become successful because at the end of the day, like the reason Spotify is so popular is because it's more convenient for people to just yeah. like listen. You know, you don't have to buy a CD and put it on or get a vibe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's the same. You don't have to leave the house, pay for a ticket. 
But I think, I do think cinema will survive because I think there's a community part of it that, that people just love. I think so. And it's the idea of going somewhere. I think it's just going to change and we might just be slightly less popular. Yeah. And again, it's a cost of living prices. People don't have the money to do things as much. Yeah. So yeah. sadly, it becomes a, a choice for people. And if it's, you know, it's cheaper to spend £6 on Apple every month than it is to go to the cinema four or five times. So That's it. Although I have, you know, uh, there's me talking about blockbusters. I say I'm not against bigger films, of course. But I've already paid for the new Mission Impossible film. I bought my tickets. It doesn't come out until <laughs> July the 10th. bought my tickets for that. Yeah. I bought it twice. I bought one for Edinburgh for the IMAX. And I bought one for the Glasgow Science Centre, which is, I think, the third largest screen in the UK. I forget they have uh, this big screen there, yeah. Yeah, so I bought... So, you know, and I'm going to go and see it maybe more than twice. So... All those ones I've sort of missed over the last few months that You're don't appeal back. to me. I'm, I'm trying to give it back a bit through through Mission Impossible. Yeah. Well, another another thing we sort of spoke about last time you were on, we were talking about like the next bill for a side in Scotland, etc. Mm. And how like you'd once spoke to somebody about like, are you written an article or something about like when's the next for side going to come, etc. And then for you, they hadn't really arrived. We kind of discussed, but do you think there's been any like has there been any films come out of Scotland the last couple of years since we spoke that you've really impressed you, etc. I've not been paying enough attention I don't think there are lots of I think short films are really interesting at the moment and I think it was interesting to see that the Edinburgh Film Festival is going to be opening with a new film from Johnny Barrington who did Mm. that the short film a few years ago I think it's with the the Vikings or the Tumult was that the film he did yeah something like that I mean, hopefully Rings I'm not getting all my names mixed up because I'm not sitting here with, with Google open in front of me. But uh, but no, his, that film that's opening the film festival is really interesting. But I don't. It doesn't feel like there's someone who's kind of on that level of of getting that. that yeah, it's probably a lot. There's lots of people making their films, and of course, Bill Forsyth did start with low budget, under the radar, and then it all sort of blew up with that sinking feeling, and certainly Gregory's Girl. So, but I don't. It doesn't feel. Maybe someone can correct me with that, but th- there's that sort of happening at the moment. Yeah, there's obviously, like, is it Charlotte Wells who did After Sun, which of was course, incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, and yeah. I really liked, I totally blanked the name of it, the one that was set in the island that came out a few years ago. Oh, Limbo. Limbo. Is that I, ben, I, ben yeah, Sharon. And he, again, a Screen Academy graduate as yeah. well. So there's like, I think there's a lot of things being made, but I think it speaks to a wider UK problem about how many films are coming out of the UK every year, really. Yeah. There's not probably like maybe 20 or 30 indie films. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of micro budget films and stuff, but there's not really a lot of high quality films coming out. Not in terms of like the films being bad. When I say high quality, I mean like films that are going to have the money to be distributed and watched, etc. Because yeah. I saw an amazing film a couple of years ago at the Edinburgh Film Festival. This was 2019 called Boys in the Wood, and then it changed to get duped and stuff, and I thought it was really good, but I don't think enough people saw that. Again, yeah. it speaks to like a it's a it's hard to get that distribution. It's not even the film totally. being made that seems to be a problem; it's the distribution of the film. Yeah, and again, it comes back into that whole like cinema thing we were just talking about. So yeah. it's a really strange time at the moment in TV and in film, and and we can probably geek out about and talk about it even more. I'm sure, but like it's, it's a weird one. It's yeah, yeah, and I'm still actually at the moment trying to work out what I think about TV and film these days. It's because it is, it's, it just feels like it's all changing so quickly, and and it all does it does go back to the streaming thing. And I think you know I was, I was speaking to some friends last night. We were talking about just what programs we watch, and it's almost that fatigue before you even put on a new program. You'll maybe go to let's say Apple or mm-hmm. Disney, and you look and you see it's ten episodes, and I just think oh, I've got to give ten hours to this. And even things like the Full Monty series, which is on. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the original Full Monty. Mm. And uh, and I think is it is it six episodes maybe the new one yeah and I just think do I really want to watch it just what's wrong with ninety minutes maybe just give me a ninety minute yeah everything just feels stretched out so I, I think I just I find myself trying to work out how I want to approach TV and film I think, now I just can't I, I don't really have an answer to that because it it's like there's just so much. And I don't have time to watch it all. I suppose it ties into your real Scotland thing. You, I know you still run from now and time and again when you have the time to do it, which I don't know if you want to quickly recap people what that actually is. Yeah, so that's something I started back in 2010, I think it was, or 2011, I think it was 2010. And that was just because I was writing the odd thing for the, or I was writing a weekly column for the Edinburgh Evening News. And I did that, did that for about five years. But I had to focus so much just on Edinburgh, which is fine. But even if I just mentioned Glasgow, I would get told off. I think Trainspotting 2 had been filmed partly in, in Glasgow and I mentioned that and I got into trouble for mentioning the city. So I sort of thought I need to talk about the wider, you know, more things that are going on. So for quite a few years I did. So if you'd asked me the question about new 
Scottish directors even then I think I could have told you more mm. but but yeah no I just wanted to write to try and sort of celebrate things that were happening but also back then it felt like it wasn't a great time there just wasn't that much happening whereas now it's it's jumped it's it's this yeah. huge amount of stuff going on I think there's so much happening almost that you like we'll, we'll be people listening going but you haven't mentioned this person and this person but it's so I mean my job's to be across TV and it's so difficult because there's so much coming all the time and I was saying this to you at the cafe earlier like we kind of are into that what the what the the article said like the age of trough TV like the golden age is over into this what they're calling the trough TV age where there's like so much stuff it's impossible to like when when you're trying to sort of develop a show now you're really having to think why is somebody going to watch this mm-hmm. like, what what can I make the first episode like do that is going to grab an audience and, and bring them in because it's almost a relief now when you a series returns that you'd already started watching because you're like oh I can just watch this because I know the world I don't have uh-huh. to like. There's no fatigue there. So again, I can see why the streamers are going for this IP where people think, oh, I already know these characters and I know this world and I like this show, I trust it, so I'll go with that. Yeah. Instead of taking a chance on this like brilliant new thing. Because there is just so much and it's overwhelming. Like Me and my girlfriend will spend more time sometimes flicking through Netflix to find a film to watch than we probably watch, spend yeah. watching the film itself. And it's <laughs> like, I think it's so common for people. And it, it's the same with podcasts, like, it's really difficult to get people to want to listen to this sometimes because there's 9,000 other podcasts which people much more well-known than me and it's like, how do you, you, you know, build that routine with people? It's such an, a weird time and we're so lucky to have all this information but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> I don't think our brains can comprehend I it. I know. Well, I find myself sort of falling back on on the BBC, I suppose, on, iP- on iPlayer. I mean, I, I have, we won't spend ages talking about my subscriptions to channels but I do have Disney Plus at the moment but actually, I ended up watching Twenty Four, wow. the Kiefer Sutherland thing, because I just yeah. I loved it back in the day, and they've got all the seasons, and I thought I, I'm just going to watch that. So I watched eight or nine seasons of that. There's eight seasons plus a sort of sequel series, and I haven't watched much else. I tried Andor, mm. but it's quite a grim program, and that's fine. But the time, the, the, the world we're living in is very grim. Yeah, and I just thought, I, once again, I think it's maybe t- is it maybe ten episodes, and I just. Oh, I don't know if I want to watch this yeah. for 10 episodes. So it's probably, I don't know, it's maybe just a me thing. I think, of course, other people must be feeling that as well. But you can only talk about yourself, really. But but you mentioned Trough TV. It's incredible that it's quality telly, isn't it? Like yeah. Everything you're, it's not even like we're talking about bad TV. Most of it really is probably really, really high quality. But it just feels there's too much of it. And, and I find myself, like I say... Trying out thing like what was that thing on um, iPod? Is it blue blue lights? The- blue lights, brilliant show, yeah. yeah. So that's made by two cities because I was getting mixed up with two rivers. Two cities, which is also owned by STV, right? Um, and yeah, that the Northern Ireland based predominant company, but yeah, blue lights was really I really enjoyed yeah. that. I thought it was a really good show, and yeah. it's come back for a second series. Good, good. And it has the the chap. Oh, I forgot his surname now. Martin. Can't remember his surname, but he was in Calibre, which was filmed in Scotland. Yeah, it's a good film. Matt Palmer, who's who's another you know local. To Edinburgh, a director who did who Caliber was brilliant. If if anyone was not seen, that's been on Netflix now for a few years. But I really hope, I think probably COVID, the pandemic probably got in the way of him doing more, because I think he was on the way up. And yeah. I'm sure he's developing stuff. Just I hope he is. But that's another. I would love to see more from Matt because I remember when that was being sort of being made. I know some people. He used to work in a cameo, and I know someone that knows him, and and he was sort of teasing at this new film, and and it sounded like it was going to be a horror film because Matt loves horror films but it wasn't and but it's got horrific <laughs> some horrific stuff in there mm. but anyway yes so uh, no I, th- I sort of do find myself going back to iPlayer quite a lot I just sort of trust I think, well if the BBC's making it it's probably well that's good. actually one thing we're so lucky on and I think this episode will have come out by the time and this one does but I had interviewed these two American exec producers quite recently and they were talking about how lucky we are in the UK to have such good terrestrial telly mm-hmm. like I know people moan about the BBC licence fee etc but yeah. take away like the news bias stuff that people a lot of people complain about and I can see where they're coming from to an extent the BBC makes some amazing programmes and what you actually get for that licence fee is quite incredible. Yeah. Like the sport coverage, the programmes, like we're really lucky to actually have something like that. Yeah, And, and, and I, we have to fight to keep that as well. Totally, yeah. And I think being in Scotland and going to the, the BBC Scotland section on iPlayer mm-hmm. is, is really nice because there are so many 
shorts that are coming up on there. There's a few that went on recently, just in the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I saw that was at Calamity Jane. That's, I saw that. Yeah, it yeah. looked very interesting. Yeah, with um, that. Mark Boner. Yeah. Who, if he's in it, then I kind of I'm sold. Need to watch that. I mean, Guilt, yeah. you know, just such a great program. But but I love that they're taking a chance on some of these shorter. I think they're only 15 minutes, but there's sort of four yeah, or five yeah, of them. Yeah. So I have my eye on those to watch them, and then. I mentioned one to you earlier, I thought when we were walking along the street, I noticed someone from this, uh, it was a pilot that they did called Islanders, mm. which was just this really nice little, I think it was maybe a half hour program set on, I don't know, it was either Aaron or one of the islands. And so the, it's great that BBC Scotland seems to be taking a chance and, and we need them to do that. We need that just to give these new filmmakers a, a chance, I suppose. So I think some of the names that I couldn't tell you because I've not watched them all yet, but I think some of the directors and the producers and the, the yeah. actors in there we'll, we will hopefully see more of. There's so much talent um, out there. There's so yeah. much talent. It's just, you know, hopefully we, again, we'll just keep, keep servicing that and keep coming, bring them through. But to sort of talk about you more yeah, okay. and like what you've been up to, <laughs> I mean, it's because we could chat about all this stuff for so long and it's, it's interesting to have you on just because, again, I know we're, we're kind of almost quite geeky about this stuff because we kind of live it, but... Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Let's talk about the new book, like Local Hero. Like, obviously, you were, you've talked about it at the start, but you started writing in twenty twenty one. But like, how, how long did that take to get sort of on the ground? How what was the process for that? So yeah, so I finished. So the other Highlander book came out in twenty twenty, and I think it was around about that time that that I mentioned that my sort of agent was saying, "Do you want to? Are you interested in writing another another book?" And the idea, I think, originally was to write something about Bill Forsyth and write about his films. But I personally didn't think that that was going to be quite as popular as mm. a book on one of his films. Because I think Local Hero, and of course Gregory's Girl, and That Sinking Feeling, in fact most of his films are, they should all have books written about them. But I think writing a book about a film, it's just easier to hit a target audience, I suppose, if you're being a bit cynical about it, mm. than saying it's about a, this guy called Bill Forsyth. Because not everybody knows his name, not everybody knows who he is, I suppose. Whereas if you're a fan of Local Hero, you just see the name. So I kind of said, why don't we try it? just on Local Hero, and then I could talk about Bill's career. And and so I was lucky, as I also said, that I'd, into, I'd been to that Q&A in Glasgow in 2008, and then in 2013, I think it was, I was working for the Screen Machine, and there was a Screen in Scotland, or Creative Scotland, had a, a fund to try and get more Scottish things shown mm. in Scottish cinemas, and one of them was Local Hero, and we managed to get Local Hero shown in, in Malig, which is where they filmed some of Local Hero, or just yeah. a few miles down the road uh, on one of the beaches there, Camus Darek and, and sort of near Arisag and things. So I got to interview Bill there, and Ian Smith, who was the producer on, on the film, was the associate producer. And so, yeah, so I had all this information, and then I just started doing new interviews, really. And, and what I love, one of the reasons I do, a, I would write a book. If someone said to me, go and write a book, would you like to write a book about, I don't know, I don't want to mention any names, but just a, a film that maybe I wasn't a fan of. Now, I did say earlier that we should, you should say yes to things. So may, <laughs> may, maybe I would say yes, but I would just, if you're spending so many hours and like with you with your podcast, you have to have a passion for it. Otherwise, there's not really much point. If, yeah. it, if it becomes a chore, then that's a bad thing, I think. So uh, this was just something I really enjoyed wanted to, to do 
And there's just so many great actors like um, Jonathan Watson and Peter Riegert and Dennis Lawson and Jenny Seagrove and all these amazing people that I've seen in Local Hero and also lots of other things over the years. Yeah. And just the idea that I could get to just have a chat to them for an hour or so and hear their stories was really, really special. So I think it took probably about a year, a year and a bit to, yeah. to sort of do the interviews and then craft it into some sort of manuscript. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think it was the quickest one I've done. Yeah, but I but really it had not it wasn't really you because you you've been sort of writing this in your head since 2008. Kind of, yeah, and and I did I sort of panicked a little bit actually when I started it or once I got into it because with with Highlander it was such a big production and they filmed it in London and Scotland and New York mm-hmm. and they had lots of special effects and explosions and exciting things happening. And that, so there was lots to, to, to speak to people about and lots of, you know, you could hang a chapter off something mad happening. Whereas I kind of realised when I started doing Local Hero that it was a very simple shoot. They went to the west coast of Scotland for, I think, four or five yeah. weeks. And then they went across to the northeast of Scotland and did another four or five weeks. And that was it, really. And everybody had a good time. They enjoyed being there. They enjoyed being in each other's company. They went out for nice meals every night. And I just... And it was I really, a little hard, less drama to Yeah, it, and I really did panic, actually. It was a couple of really hairy moments. I was thinking, I, I just don't know how I can get this to... How do you turn that into a, a, a sort of 85,000 words? So I, I ended up restructuring a lot of it and doing it sort of scene by scene. There's a great book on Goodfellas, I think it was, that came out a few years ago. And the author went through it almost scene by scene. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm just going to pinch that idea. <laughs> That's why I find if, you, if you're struggling, just steal ideas from other people I mean that's what ChatGBT does anyway it's just it's all the existing <laughs> information on the world it, yeah. everyone does it it's all what David Bowie said there's no like real, you know exactly. you're not stealing you're borrowing or whatever the, well the that's same. why it just helps yeah. reading lots of books I mean I, I would love to read more but I do try and I love books on films there's only like seven stories as we were saying earlier or something yeah. that, you know what I mean yeah. at the end of the day but you just have to keep reading <laughs> it's like you in your job I'm sure like everybody you know we need to if you're in whatever sector you're in I think you need to sort of try and keep keep abreast and keep up to date on what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it helped that I bought that book. And so, yeah, I just kind of sort of restructured things and then thought if I do it scene by scene, then I can speak to the, the guys that were in that scene and say what was it like filming it. And yeah, I just found it really interesting to do. And luckily people, the reaction has been really nice and people seem to enjoy it. And it's, but it's when people say, oh, I read it in a day and you think, man, it's took me months months writing this it's a nice compliment it's kind of a nice compliment yeah and you have like a map at the front right (laughs) yeah in front of me is that like the map of all the locations that's it yeah that's so cool to see just to give an idea of of the fact because i think it's kind of difficult in your head to think the fact that they filmed the bill for Scythe wanted to film it's it's certain i mean a lot of people of course have not seen it certainly these maybe younger audiences have not seen local hero and I'll mention it to people and they just get a blank look but it's about uh an oil man who comes from texas over to Scotland to try and buy a village and turn it into an oil refinery, yeah. which is a very, it's quite a dark, not a very yeah. nice topic. And as people always say to me, if, if you're making it today, it would be very different. You would be t- focusing on the, the ecological impact and the destroying a village and a community and what happens to those people. Whereas in Local Hero, it's not, it's not a, an outright comedy. It's not sort of slapstick or anything but it's a very a much sort of lighter take on it and it's about the character really of this oil man who who changes as the film progresses and goes from being sort of more cynical to being part of the village really but yeah so Bill Forsyth wanted to film it in one village with a lovely beach and they did the research and, and the location yeah. scouting they couldn't find one so that's why this part of it is filmed on one side of Scotland and the other on the other and so that was really interesting just to hear what everyone had to say about that as well Half a million pounds is a lot of money, Ben. Even enough to buy another beach with. Look, I've got some postcards. I've got some very fine beaches here. I want to make you an offer. How about this? Any beach that takes your fancy, anywhere in the world, I'll get for you. Look at this. Hawaii. I can get you five or six miles of Hawaii, no problem. Or, look here, Australia. Look at, look at that sand. Oh, yes. I didn't, well, I mean, they look like very nice beaches, Mr. McIntyre, but 
Say, I only need the one. I have this here. I don't need another one. I, I think, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. Probably younger audiences might not have seen the film. I, I think, I, I love, I've, I love Local Hero. I think the soundtrack is great. And obviously a lot of Newcastle, that's the Newcastle United, like their football team mm, uses uh, yeah. Going Home as their sort of, sort of Martin Offler song. And the great soundtrack as well for this film. But like, I think it's quite like, it was probably his most commercial film, wasn't it? Bill Forsyth, Local Hero. I think and so. Gregory's Girl's yeah. big, but I feel like, look, kind of broke America. Like Tom Hanks mentioned this film a few weeks ago in an interview. He said yeah. that Irish film, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> sorry, Tom, you no, got that Tom, a bit wrong. Tom, Tom. But you know, he, people talk about it, so yeah. it's very like. Yeah. Is it Burt Lancaster that's the yeah, big? That's I right. mean, massive star to get in. What was the story? Just for the listeners that may not know about that, which like, do you want to go into a bit about how they got Burt Lancaster? I'm sure that would be in this book anyway. They, everyone had sort of different ideas of who who could be Happer is the is the is the character's name, and and there was a, a singer, or there is a singer, Willie Nelson. I think he's still around. They, he was sent the script anyway as being a potential candidate, yeah. and in the end they approached Burt Lancaster and they they met him at uh, an awards ceremony in in London. I think it was the BAFTAs actually. Because he, he was giving out an award there. Yeah, I mean, it was quite a, a straightforward thing, to be honest. It's not a very exciting story about that, but they did. I remember um, Ian Smith, who was, as I say, the associate producer, he remembers speaking to, to Burt Lancaster and saying they wanted to do all these interviews with, with all these different press. And he wasn't really keen on doing that. And at some point, one of the, I think it was Ian or one of the, the people who was with him said, it's for the good of the movie. And Lancaster sort of just was like, he latched onto this. And he said, oh, oh, okay. So every time they wanted to speak to someone from the, the Herald or whatever, he would say, it's for the, for the good of the movie. I'll do it, you know, for the good of the movie. But I think Burt Lancaster was a bit bemused by the script. I don't think he quite, he was not really used to doing these sort of light, these sort of comedy films. And so, and he also said in interviews he didn't understand the word that Bill Forsyth said. Yeah, I managed to get various quotes with him just being slightly, yeah, just slightly confused, I suppose, about what was actually going on. But Was he not like what the most of the budget went on as well? Apparently, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was it not like he was basically most of their budget was spent on getting him to do like... It was a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the, the, the story of getting him isn't, isn't that exciting really. They, they, they basically sort of met him at an awards ceremony and, and had said to him, you know, but yeah, I think the funders were like, you know, if you get Burt Lancaster, then you'll get get more money and he was such a big name. Yeah. Well, why, do, why do you think Local Hero, in your opinion, was has broke through so much, especially at the time? Like, what do you think it was about the film that resonated so much? Well, I think the, for me, well, I think the characters, the, there's a few different things. I think the, the, the scenery is, is one big thing. I think people just love Scottish scenery and it, it does look beautiful. But I think the characters and the fact that it is... It isn't that sort of slapstick, like a you know that that idea of it being. It's not so much, although it is. It feels. I think because I know it so well, it's hard to sort of see it with fresh eyes. Someone did say to me recently they showed it to their kids, and they thought it was really slow. I think that's more a comment on the way that we interact with fast images now, yeah, as opposed to like the film. I think so I think so, but I think because it it maybe doesn't stand out as a it feels sort of timeless. I suppose it's that 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 humor is not over the top. And I think if you were watch, if it was something like a, I keep saying sort of saying slapstick, but just something that's just that little bit maybe heightened or that maybe is quite a, like the the Marx Brothers for example, something like that is is or Laurel and Hardy. That sort of humour is very. Yeah, I think yeah, they kind of like that humour. You don't, and it, and it some of it maybe does age a little bit. Whereas I, personally, I feel that local hero doesn't. It's just because it's a it's a good story. And Bill Forsyth says there's a quote in the back of the book, something about it's not really about the story, it's what happens in between the story. Yeah, I'll read the quote just so good. It's not a high concept movie. There's actually no story there really. It's what happens in between the story that's important. Yeah, and I think that that is, I just love that quote because it's just, it's about little moments. And I think it's all little moments that we can appreciate as, that we would notice in real life. And we can almost see ourselves doing that. Like Mac, the main character, goes into a sort of chemist or a local shop and says he wants to buy some shampoo. And the, the woman asks, you know, is it, uh, is it dry, normal or greasy? And he says, normal, very normal. And just little moments. It's, all, it's full of just little moments that I think people can yeah. latch on to and, uh, rather than just being... So, yeah, it's a difficult one to answer, of course. You know, why does a film mm-hmm. resonate? What makes it timeless? But it does feel... It just does feel timeless, and I think it's about those characters 
just interacting, having those little moments. Is this a red phone box as well? There's something so iconic about yeah. that phone box. Like, the, but the music as well, you mentioned the music. Yeah. The, the fact that a lot of it is set at night with the, the gloaming mm. and the Aurora Borealis and yeah. and yes, the phone box and just that, that theme, the idea of someone trying to connect. I mean, Mac is a, keeps saying he's a telex guy, you know, he's a communi communications guy, but he can't really communicate very well. And you see that at the start of the film because he's, mm trying to ask this woman out, the sort of secretary or his colleague, but he asks, he's in the next room to her, but he has to phone her up. Yeah. And there's glass in between them. So it's obviously trying to comment a bit on, on what, what he's actually really like. And that he's always, there's always something between him and other people or in between them, maybe getting in, getting in the way, but she doesn't even know who he is, barely. She's like, who are you? Who are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm Mac, I'm in the next room to you. It's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And then as the film goes on, he just becomes better, I suppose, at communicating and, yeah. and understanding. And he, and he becomes one with, one with the village. And Nature, etc. Yeah, and then that's something I noticed just watching the film. And you do, because you are, you have to watch something so many times when you're, of course, writing about it. Mm -hmm. And things that most other people, normal people, wouldn't ever notice is I end up looking at the, the sort of time stamp on the film. And there's a moment in the film of sort of famous scene with some cop with like shooting stars with the comet standing on the beach and, and Max asking about buying. Would the comets add value to the to the deal? And but as they fall, as these shooting stars fall, it's the exact halfway point of the film. And after that, he changes. So you see in the next scene he doesn't yeah. have his tie on. So up until that point he's been very sort of straight laced and buttoned up. But as soon as that happens, it's almost like there's something magical falls on, on the village. That's the way I see it anyway. And no I've not seen anyone else comment on that. So maybe it's just me that's thinking. I mean clearly he does change because as I say he's he's just more relaxed and he becomes a more unshaven. Yeah. But did Bill Forsyth mean that to be at that point? Was that meteor shower meant to be the sort of magical sprinkling of, of fairy dust? I don't know. I didn't get a chance to ask him, sadly, but I like to think. It's nice to, when you see I something like that. I think that's what the joy of art is, and I think we teach it wrong in school, the way we analyse books. It's, it should be what does it mean to you, mm. instead of like trying to find... There's no re It's all ambiguous yeah. to an extent. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a lot of the time writers, in my experience, anyway, a lot of things are not intentional as much as we might think. They yeah. are happy accidents, and I think that's <laughs> even more magical in a way. Well, I just quite as well, because I know you just recently did like a big reunion yeah. where it was set. Like, tell us about that. It looked amazing. You had some of the original cast there. Yeah, that's right. So I was invited up to Pennon. So Pennon is the village in Aberdeenshire that is the village in the film. And there's a, a great company called Cinescapes based, I think it's in Edinburgh actually, and yeah. they do lots of screenings outdoors and in special sort of diff different places tied into certain films and, and, and have themes to the screening. So they decided to run some screenings up in Banff, which is just a few miles from Pennon. And also they filmed some of the scenes in the pub mm. in Banff, in a pub that's now shut down, sadly. But yeah, it was brilliant. We got, I got invited up there along with Jonathan Watson, who of course is on, he's in Two Doors Down and he's in just feels like every Scottish comedy ever. Yeah. Lovely, lovely guy. And Tam Dean Byrne, who's, who's in loads of things as well. And Sandra Vaux, so, so Jonathan Watson plays Jonathan in the film. Tam Dean Byrne plays Roddy the barman. Sandra Vaux plays Mrs. Fraser, who's in the shop. Mm. And we had Jimmy Yule, who plays Ian, who's always hanging about beside the phone box and asking if he's got enough change and if he needs the phone box painted or anything. So we just got them all together and I was asked to interview them on stage and we had some local school kids come along and find out, to ask questions about making films in, in general but also just in that area yeah. and then we had an audience and, and some screenings in Banff outdoor screenings and so it was, it was just a lovely weekend just and especially for these guys who'd not some of them had not seen each other for really nice. certainly many years I think they'd all seen each other probably in the last 40 years but but just catching up and and I felt like a bit of a although I'd written the book and yes okay I did spend a lot of time on that but it felt a bit funny I, I was hoping I wasn't getting in the way because it's like their yeah. film yeah. I'm just all I'm doing is sort of telling the, the story. Yeah. yeah, but I so. think it's important. You're shining light on their film. Did they, how did they respond to the book? Did they, did they had they read it? Did they have nice? Yeah, to say? yeah, really. Well, everybody was really nice about it, and that's that's something. Of course, I was nervous about when you whenever you interview someone, you hope that they're going to like what you've done with their words because yeah. it's up to you know they give me it's like they give me their words and I then repackage them. But no, everybody's been really nice. And Peter Rieger, who is Mac in the film, he's been really nice and yeah, he just massive says, star as well. Yeah, and he just emailed a few times and just said, 
thank you so much for basically doing the film justice. And that was the point really is to celebrate. That's amazing. I mean, I know we're nearly a bit at the hour mark, so I'll sl sort of slowly wrap up. I have a few, mo a couple more questions quickly on local hero, and then a few more for you personally. But people might be interested in this part. But like, what's the process with if say somebody has an idea they want to write a book? Like for you, how did you go about getting this one made? I know it probably helps that you have the other two as well. Yeah, I think well, it's a really obvious one, and I met we, we sort of talked about this before. It's kind of just just start it. So that's the first thing to see. I suppose the question is where do you start but mm. for me it's sort of look, trying to look at whatever the project is so Local Hero was looking at the film and just trying to write down or type a yeah. bit of an outline I suppose and try and think what are the key things you need to talk about which in this case are when well, you need to speak to the actors about how, how they got involved trying to understand where Bill Forsyth how yeah. he started I thought it was important not to spend too long focusing on his early career but I think to work out why something happened, it's important to try and see a thread maybe in their career. So it was going back to his days of doing documentary films in Glasgow. Yeah. And then trying to work out what was it then that maybe you can see that through line that took him to local hero. So that took a bit of time, but there was also then the music and and also speaking to people that created things like the phone box. And how did the phone box get there? And who brought it there and then things like the character on, on the bike, John Gordon Sinclair's character going up and down the bike, where did the bike come from? So it's just sort of writing down questions, I suppose, from, that I wanted to see answered. And then, uh, and I suppose it is, when you get in touch with the actors, it does help if you've maybe got other things that you've written before. So you can see, just send a link to Amazon, I suppose, and say, look, yeah. here's, like, honestly, that I, I do. I think um, that's actually a great thing to just quickly expand on for anyone. Like, if you want to do something, it's great if you can go make the stuff yourself, even if you're just putting little clips online or something. Like, yeah. the more you have to show for yourself in your portfolio, the easier it is to sort of say, Jimmy's you know, even like the podcast now, I've got so much behind me. I can go, well, I've interviewed this person yeah. and they know this person and blah, blah, blah. And it makes it a lot easier to ask somebody for to come on and... Well, that's it, it. That's it. And, I, and just going back to the, the book I did on Tremors, which is the first one I did in 2015, that was my first attempt at a book. Mm. But I started off, that started off life as some articles for SFX magazine. And so that was pitching it to them and saying, but also I then had to get in touch with the writer of Tremors to say, would you be up for doing an interview? Yeah. So it started off, things. I think things can start off really small. And if you can secure one interview let's say certainly for the book I'm my sort of book because I think I think it's really important I want to tell the stories you know get the stories out there that people yeah. of the people that were involved in it rather than just me analyzing something and spending 300 pages saying this is what I think this is why this happened I would rather speak to the people that were there but you need to just start small really and so it was just start if you can get one interview mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter who it is it could have been the sound man it could have been the editor it could have been one of the actors. As soon as you get one thing, that then there's like a snowball effect. I yeah, because it, it's an actor thing. So I go, oh, he did it, so I should do it. Totally. You know, oh, I want to be asked. I want to be part of it now. Yeah, and a lot of times um, people then they, they email each other or they text each other and they'll say, I've just had this guy get in touch. If he gets in touch with you, or they'll help you out. Yeah, which is lovely. And sometimes yeah, say, sure. you know, I can pass you on this email. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's yeah, if it's about how how to do it. I think just start small mm. and if you can if you're lucky enough to be able to do something if you were going you know, to do something about film and tv if you can get something commissioned by yeah. it doesn't have to be a magazine it could these days just be a website i suppose or or maybe just for your own blog or your own podcast is yeah for sure so it's just start small and then build from there and just the la sort of last question on the book and stuff what is the writing approach to this because i think you basically touched on this last time you quite like to write i know because obviously you're doing this on top of work as well you said last time you usually get up about six in the morning and you write first thing 
and then that's how you get, sort of get the yeah. get the book finished, etc. Well, yeah, the case? that's true. That's the same way, really. But I need a deadline. <laughs> I think most people are the same. Yeah, and that was that's the beauty of certainly the first book I did. I didn't have a deadline, so it slipped a little bit. I mean, I'm 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 kind of impressed with myself that I I did it without a deadline. Whereas I know now that it's harder not to have a deadline. So yeah. so yes, with these I was told, yeah, you have to have it by this date, and I think. One of them, if not both of them, maybe slipped a little bit, but you're talking weeks rather than months. But yeah, no, it's it's just that thing of as soon as you know you've got to finish something by that date, you just make time. So it really is getting up early or in the evenings or in the weekends. And how does that relationship with the editor work? How much do they have to say on this? Do you have a good relationship with your editor? Very much. They've come in at the last minute with, with these, okay. really. Yeah, so I've kind of done it and then passed it on to the publisher. They pass it on to the editor and they've come back with more smaller comments and sometimes it is just about spelling or a few queries. But I've been very lucky that I've got some friends who are very into films. Yeah. They're very keen to, or happy to, to read them, read the manuscripts and actually just say, be honest about it really. Because I think the couple, last couple of chapters was maybe one chapter. I think maybe the last two were, were originally one. And one uh, friend, Ross, suggested maybe splitting it into two. I think that's the way it went. Or just flipping them around. Yeah. So it's things like that. You need, I think, people to be to be honest with you, which is which is hard if it's someone you know and they want to be nice rather than saying, oh, it, you just, people just saying this is great, that doesn't really help, does it? I think it's, you do need people saying, yeah, well, maybe you should try this. So no, it was a combination really of, of friends who are just really smart, who can just see it from a fresh, the fresh pairs of eyes and, and the editor as well. But yeah, just a combination of people really. Great. Just get a real job. So I've got, I've got two more questions for you, Jonathan, and we'll wrap up because I know it's, it's been well over an hour now. But the first sort of one is like, what's the sort of biggest lesson you've learned since we last spoke, especially with like writing the books and stuff? Hmm question i think maybe the last time we spoke so i was very focused on maybe one goal maybe mm. certainly I, I was really interested in that in that script editing side of things uh, and also screenwriting of course but i think i've realized that it's good to have a goal but it's also important to not just think that's the, the only thing you should be doing so i suppose like i've all, already said in this chat about and you actually said really about the tangents I think if something comes comes to you that you hadn't planned maybe say yes to it if you can and realize that 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 where you're going it might change and it might you might end up doing a completely different job but you don't always have to keep doing that job so it's just being able I suppose it's it's being able to to roll with the <laughs> roll with the punches a bit and just yeah. take opportunities don't just because it's so difficult I suppose what, what we're trying to do yeah. is so difficult as in getting there it's just such a, a, a it's almost an impossible thing and so I don't think I'm answering this very well no I think you are I think you are I, I kind of know what you're saying it's like that being able to be flexible almost to and go with the process yeah, a little bit. yeah. yeah. check you on well last question okay. for you Jonathan thank you for your time today I really appreciate you coming up and chatting and thank you for the signed copy of your new book as well I urge people to go and buy it where can people get the book well Waterstone seems to have lots of them which is good or a few copies but Amazon I guess is the traditional the traditional answer for that, yeah. Or the signed copies on uh, Polaris Books is my publisher. Great. So, well, there'll be links underneath the episode as well. Yeah, so go and, go and buy the book, yeah. especially even if and if you haven't seen the film, go and watch Local Heroes. Yeah, a great totally. One. Just a sort of closing question. So normally I get my guests to close on their advice, but you've already been on and we've done that, and you've given some great advice throughout this episode anyway. But I wondered in your sort of quite long and varied careers, we've just touched <laughs> and done quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. What has about been your biggest regret? Or failure that, and, and what did you sort of learn from that? Because I think failure is an important thing we to talk about more as a society, etc. To be honest, I don't feel I've had any major failures, but I do have, a, I suppose, a regret, which is I didn't start all this sooner because I think I did put things off mm. too long. At the same time, maybe if I had started earlier, it wouldn't have been as good, or maybe wouldn't wouldn't worked out. But for many years, I just sort of did jobs worked in marketing and communications yeah. and things and they weren't the most exciting jobs everybody was very nice <laughs> if anyone was listening that I worked with you very nice people but just not the most exciting subjects or topics and I always loved film and telly and I just didn't ever think I could it was just another it was another world and I could never be in that and and so it was only when I started doing writing 
film reviews and theatre reviews and people actually started publishing them, I thought, oh, maybe I can do some of this. But it still took me a long time to get into the world of to doing the screenwriting masters. Yeah. And I just, so I, my regret really is I, I wish I'd started a bit earlier and I just think, although there's a lot of, you, we do hear a lot of these days about people saying, you can live your dreams, do whatever you want to do. And then other people say, that's all, you shouldn't be teaching people that because you can't just do anything you want. I think you can do stuff. I think I think what we're talking, the fact you're doing this just now, we're recording this on a weekend. Hmm. Technology is there these days that you can do stuff very cheap. Okay, you've spent some money on your your equipment here but I think yeah you can so you, and, you, and if you just got a pen and paper or a phone you can type stuff on your phone now if you want to do a yeah. review of a, so that's my regret I suppose is I just wish I'd started a bit earlier because who knows where I could have been if I'd, if I'd done it 10 years ago but I think um, saying that in your defence and I'm not I mean I know you're allowed <laughs> to have a regret but like we talked about this as well if you come from like a working class background or especially in Scotland you don't see people working in this industry no so it's difficult to know where to take that first step and to have the confidence to do it so and I think the fact that you went off and done all this other stuff, it makes you who you are and adds a bit more of an asset to yourself because you'd have all this life experience. So I think it's good to have people like you come into the industry a bit later in life. So. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to catch up a bit. And I think that's why I've done three books in, what was it? The first one was 2015. So that's what, seven or eight years. It's pretty impressive, um, mate. Three books. Most yeah. people want to even write one and you've well, got three published. Yeah, so. and it just took me so long to get around to doing the first one because again I kept put, putting it off I thought I've never written a book yeah. how do you write a book I can't write a book so without just I feel like I'm just now being negative on myself Not but to. but I think I'm trying to catch up now and I'm trying to make up for lost time so I do there's lots I still want to do and I want to try and get back to real Scotland and try and get that going again and I want to probably write another book and I also want to try fiction and yeah. uh, and also do the day job so yeah well, I think um, it's an exciting future well Jonathan thank you for, for your time today I really appreciate it I'll let you have the rest of your Saturday um, <laughs> you. and be sure to go and buy Jonathan's book thank you thanks Jamie well there you go that was episode 105 of Just Get A Real Job podcast thank you again to Jonathan for his time thank you for coming back on the podcast it was lovely to catch up I urge everyone again to if you haven't already go and get a copy of Local Hero The Making of a Scottish Classic there's a link to the book in the show notes as well as that you can support Jonathan on social media give him a follow go and check at Real Scotland as well. He's hoping to get back into that a bit more as he mentioned in the episode. As well as that, if you're enjoying this podcast and you're still listening in the outros because you're a super fan, much appreciated. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, tell friends and family to listen. Maybe sign up to our Patreon if you feel like donating as well. Why not? Why not? What else is there? Oh yeah, of course, leave a review on where you listen to podcasts. Could be on Apple, could be on Spotify. I'm rattling through this outro today. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just, just talking, just chatting away on this outro. I genuinely don't think many people listen to the outro well, our brilliant, 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 brilliant editor. Um, but yes, yeah, fine, it's fine. They are used to this. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. We've got some exciting news to announce on next week's episode as well, hopefully. And yeah, have a lovely week, everyone. Just get a real job.